This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek, show number 549, recorded on October 12th, or the 13th, 2022. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in a chilly. It's getting a little colder. Fall is on its way. Bellevue, Nebraska. And, of course, we post the show with some world-class show notes each week out at TheAverageGuy.tv. Big thanks to Jay Franzi, who joined me last week. And, Jay, it was a great conversation to have with him. And uh, if you missed the pre- and the post-show, you can join us on Patreon for those. Head out to theaverageguy.tv slash Patreon. We got a $5 plan. Jump in on that, and I'll send you an email every time we post those. And you can get access to the pre and the post shows as well, there as well. Theaverageguy.tv slash Patreon if you want to join us there. Edward Weiniger is my host, is my guest. I don't know where I'm going tonight, Edward, but welcome back to Home Gadget Geeks. Hello. Thanks for uh, inviting me. Yeah, it's good to have you back. It's been a while. I think maybe most of the pandemic we missed with you. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not sure why it took us a while to even get this one scheduled, but uh, the schedule's lined up. Of course, Edward is a president out there at Alpha Bitcoin, and we've been. I think your first visit was 2015, and I think I'm on record as saying if I would have listened to your advice in 2015, I would have made about four hundred thousand dollars on Bitcoin, mm-hmm. and I didn't. I didn't. So I'm sorry, but <laughs> thanks for the great advice. I wish I would listen. Maybe there'll be some things uh, to listen to tonight. Edward, give us a little, um, give us a little, uh, catch us up a little bit. What's going on Alpha Bitcoin and and what's going on with you? So, yeah, we've been uh, traveling around the country, putting on uh, Bitcoin Day events. So we have uh, Bitcoin Focus. I don't know how much last time you and I, and we can d- delve into it a little bit again here, but just talking about kind of moving away from, a lot of the other coins and focusing on Bitcoin. Um, and so the events focused on Bitcoin. And so we went to Nashville, Sacramento, Oklahoma city, Denver. So we had these little kind of mini conferences at each of those places. And then um, ramping up our mining kiosks have been pretty stagnant, just kind of sit there and do their thing. But mining has been uh, really a lot of what I've been spending my time on. So it's been exciting. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, I would have thought how with, with, you know, let's dive right in on the mining side really quicker. So with Ethereum going from uh, proof of work to proof of stake and all that, all the, what seemed like it took a thousand years mm-hmm. for them to, to get done. Did that really change the mining world? You'd see it probably better than anybody that changed the mining world much for you. So it, it's, <laughs> it's funny because I, I mean, it's, you, we could spend quite a bit of time this this evening even talking about, you know, the, some of the more like privacy, like uh, censorship, you know, that kind of thing. And so my position would be that Ethereum, all those are not censorship resistant, right? Like that's pretty, there's some, there's some interesting, you know, proof or perspectives on why that is. But um, so proof of work you know, focusing on Bitcoin, and there are other proof of work coins obviously out there, but focusing on Bitcoin is actually quite freeing because you don't have to <laughs> deal with all the drama of <laughs> all, all the other uh, whatever people whining and contention and all the other stuff out there about all the other coins. And so, uh, mer- I mean, the merge, I th- my my opinion is bad thing, like proof of work is better than proof of stake. Um, 
you know, hopefully it crashes and burns. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't That's know how you happen. really feel about that. <laughs> um, I don't know what will happen with it, but I have yeah. not been other than the fact that it happened. It's not like I've been like waiting yeah. you know, with bated breath. To, yeah. So that from a mining perspective, that didn't change much for you. Cause I know that for some miners who are mining Ethereum, you weren't doing that before. Maybe is that what you're saying? Yeah, no, we had, yeah. we had not been mining Ethereum and we, we dabbled in it briefly, but no, everything we're doing now is all mining Bitcoin with it's ASICs. All, is all mining uh, Bitcoin. How is from a, from a power perspective, uh, there's been a lot of talk in the news about power and power consumption. Of course, here in the Midwest, we have pretty good power rates. Uh, there's places that are cheaper, but, but not too many. How's, how is that working um, for you now? So at home, you're going to get, I mean, we could talk about home mining a lot, but um, mm -hmm. at home, you're going to get, you know, it's probably not going to be profitable for you. Um, the uh, the advantage when you start talking about that kind of stuff is more on the privacy and security side of like, if you can mine coins and not have any AML, KYC, right? Like they're your coins, you put them in a hardware wallet, they've never touched any, but anything else, um, then you have them stored away when, you know, the IRS starts knocking and you can claim I don't have any Bitcoin, right? Because there's no real traceability there. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, there, you could probably get into some arguments about IP addresses and stuff like that. But if you've got one miner at home, the IRS probably will not care that much about that. But uh, so, yeah, that's that's the advantage for a home miner would be mainly just having coins that are untraceable. The... Uh, on the on the hosting and enterprise side um, in Nebraska, we typically see that seven or eight cents, which is um, which is right on the cusp of, of profitability. It's uh, you can make money, but it's it's hard. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Well, would it be break even? At least um, that, or is it is it still? No, I think you. I think you're making you make barely anything yeah. i in my mind i could be way off in this yeah i probably yeah. should find some facts in my mind like six yeah. cents is like where you're okay. um or I take that back sorry eight uh yeah six cents is where you want to be um eight cents is pushing the limits of profitability and then like nine cents you're probably not making any money here in nebraska with commercial rates can you get it to the six or seven if you no. if you do yeah. it right? okay that's okay. the problem yeah you can't in nebraska yeah, yeah. Are there other spots in the country or, or here in the United States where you can, or is it pretty much 10 or above almost everywhere? So besides doing our own mining, an interesting outcome of Bitcoin Day was that we made a lot of connections in the energy sector. Hmm. And you you can, and we actually um, have been working on some of those deals of kind of a finder's fee type arrangement where we have a lot of people that are posting or have we are listing a lot of energy opportunities out there. And so we can get people down. Obviously, the more you're willing, you're looking for and the more you're willing to spend, right? So if you're looking for 10 megawatts, it's easy to find sub five cents. Um, but if it's getting, so you can, but yes, yeah, so you can get um, under five cents still. If But for a smaller miner, somebody wants to, we're still talking about like a million dollar buy-in, but like yeah. somebody wants to get into it for the, and uh, doesn't, you know, only has a million dollars. <laughs> you can, you can, you can still get, um, there are a few opportunities out there. You can still get five cents pretty easy. Yeah. It's, it's been interesting as the, over the last couple of years, you know, there was a lot of folks mining and now I don't know if I know anybody anymore that's kind of yeah. doing it. So I think it's gone uh, into bigger, 
you know, into bigger environments. Uh, there's more money involved in it. I think, you know, like you're talking about brokering the energy. I know Texas a while ago deregulated and, and went on this kind of a kind of free market system for or bidding system for energy. Does that market didn't work so well when the state froze, but right. normally the, the other 363 days out of the year, does that have any advantage uh, in, in that state? I know that, um, I mean, yes, you can make the argument that free markets drive prices down. Um, I don't know if much of the flack they got after the storm was just kind of a, hey, guys, you've got to put some controls in there or something like that. Um, but I I know prices have since then. I Prices, my understanding is prices have gone up, but it's still, it's not as cheap as it used to be. It wasn't because it's not just a free for all like it was. Um, but uh, so, yeah, it's, I mean, I mean I don't, the deregulation in Texas, uh, yeah, like you said, came back to bite them. It's, uh, it was really nice while it lasted and then the storm hit. And, uh, so, but I, the other piece of it is kind of the on-grid and off-grid side of things that if you can, you know, you've got, since we last met, right, there probably were only a few, if any, public mining companies out there. And so to your point about, you know, the big guys are doing it more than the smaller guys nowadays. Um, yeah, there's there's obviously a lot of public companies out there mining now. Companies have gone public since then. But they're, you know, with the price going down, you know, their their future is in peril, too, that, you know, because mm -hmm. they have mm -hmm. even the huge operations and over leveraged on debt or whatever. They they have issues that they need to figure out before they, you know. So I, th I think there's gonna be a lot of consolidation um in that space uh so we've seen bitcoin drop into the 20s and it held there for a while it's bounced around 18 and 19 um uh 19 and a half right now do you think um you know do you think that's a healthy that's a healthy price for it and does it i was reading a bloomberg bloomberg article today in preparation for this saying that it's lost some of its volatility and that's actually a problem so two questions in there. One, are we in a good spot with it? Just from a, you know, nineteen thousand seems like a pretty good price, right? <laughs> from a, from just a, 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 from that standpoint. And then, two, do, is it losing a little bit of its luster and volatility? I think we, um, I think we touched on this a little bit last time. Is that there still has not been at a at a at a macro level more so than at a in a short term level, but you haven't. Uh, obviously, the price over the past nine years, ten years, has um, gone up, you know, faster than the market as a whole. But I think you're right in terms of like, there's only so many incremental, you know, that it went from zero to nineteen thousand, whereas the rest of the market was going from whatever twenty to thirty thousand dollars or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's it so at a macro level, and from that perspective, it it has. It, it does have a decoupling effect compared to the market. I think that will continue, but I think for the time being, and you could, you know, we could talk about the happening and stuff, but at, for the time being, I think it has almost, it's like it's recoupled, right? So the perspective or the, the way that some people smarter than me that I follow, look at it is just in the four year cycles. Right. And so there's almost this kind of like, which is also kind of, which does correspond to the happening, whether on purpose or it's just a natural free market thing. Uh, but there's this four years and then there's kind of a decoupling 
And then there's another four years of like sticking to the market. So you see Ukraine news and it goes with the market, stuff like that. So that's, that's kind of how I think of it is that, you know, happening comes again, all the normal happening market dynamics happen. Part of those dark market dynamics are that the price goes up and then we're going to be back where we were. We're sitting at, you know, whatever, $80,000 Bitcoin is just going to sit there at $80,000 for however many years. So that's how, that's how I perceive it. Yeah. It, it, I, and I was going to ask you kind of a question around this as I've watched it over the last couple of years, I appreciated the fact that it didn't always ride straight with the U S markets in, and, and then lately over the last <laughs> year, uh-huh. it, it just seems to be following them, you know, I'm seeing more and more news articles that that mention Bitcoin and the interest rate in interest rates in the same sentence. And you're like, okay, so tell me what the federal government raising interest rates has to do with the price of Bitcoin. And I'm not sure. I mean, I know they want to put both in the same sentence because it's good clickbait. But Mm -hmm. is there a tie somehow? But between interest rates, because maybe it's harder to borrow money to invest in it. Is that what they're thinking? Or are they just making this stuff up? It was probably in highest relief when you were when we were um, uh, when the when the Fed was printing money or the government was printing money, right? Because that's when the price was going up, and part of that was because people were just spending their twelve thousand dollar checks or whatever, however many much money they were making on. So the same concept applies of like when the Fed is giving out money, you've got extra money laying around, right? Well, when interest rates are going up, you're you know potentially you're gonna not. Do whatever you would do, refinance your house, whatever the thing is, right? You're gonna mm-hmm. um, you're gonna act a certain way based on that. So I think that the um, yeah, I think that the I think the the government choices or the government policies do have an impact on it um, in 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 a logical relation to just how people spend money in the investment space. Um, yeah. So people are gonna tighten their belts when we're about to go into a recession or when we're in a recession already. And so they're not going to be buying Bitcoin because that doesn't really help them in the short term. So, yeah, I think they mentioned in the same article, the, the amount being traded each day is about half of what it was during its peak uh, from, you know, when, whatever that was. And so I, I guess that kind of makes sense when you think about that way, you mentioned a couple of times having, right. There's that moment, right. With Bitcoin where the miners don't, it literally, cuts in half right can you talk yep. a little bit about that when is that and and why should we watch out for it or yeah what? so the the, <coughs> the the other piece of that which we if we're going to talk about home mining um that you know the the time to get into home mining now is a great time to get into it reason being uh that ASICs of the equipment is really cheap because nobody wants it. It's not, you know, it's break even maybe or not profitable. It's there's, there's an abundance of it in the market. So high supply, um, lower demand. So you can get cheap ASICs. So what's going to happen is in March or 20, whatever, 2024, April, 2024, whatever, whenever the happening happens, um, the, if, the price acts like I hope it ha- does or acts like it has historically, the price of Bitcoin goes up around that time. And then all the prices of ASICs, because now you can, ch- now you, they can charge you more, all the prices of ASICs go up. So if you are hope, you know, you're going to see the price spike or see the price start rising again. And you're going to say, Oh, I should start doing this. At that point, you're going to be, you know, you're going to have to put out more money to get into the, into the um, space. But the happening is basically when Satoshi Nakamoto wrote the code, 
for Bitcoin, nine, 10, whatever I said, 20, 2009. Um, uh, the part of that is for multiple reasons. The biggest one is just like, well, I'll, so there's the, there, the long tail so that not everybody can just get all the Bitcoin and then it doesn't ever get into other people's hands. So there's kind of this distribution, um, uh, it's a distribution mechanism and it's also a, a way to curtail the supply so that there's um, so that there's only 21 million and he had to somehow he had to figure out how to make it 21 million only over a period of you know 150 years and so every every four years roughly the amount of bitcoin that you get as a reward for mining uh, literally gets cut in half so 12.5 becomes 6.25 and then 3.1, whatever that is. And so, uh, so in, in a couple of years here, the, the amount of Bitcoin that the miners receive as a reward for, for uh, guessing, they're guessing the, the answers to the algorithm uh, is, gets cut in half. And so the theory is, or a reaction to that is, people stop selling miners in particular stop selling it at a set price that uh, because now they're, they're making less Bitcoin. So they have to cover their costs. So they sell Bitcoin more expensively. And when they sell Bitcoin more expensively, the rest of the market now can't get it cheaper. They have to pay more. So then the whole market kind of rises along with that. So that's, that's kind of how the happening works. Um, yeah. And you're saying uh, and that there's no set time on it. It's basically when you get to a block, right? That 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 happens at a block, certain block. Um, you're gonna. I, I just drew a blank. It is based on so the the blocks are solved every ten minutes, and I want to say, which is not related to what I, uh, I'm drawing a blank now, but I I believe it is a set block. Yes, that yeah. So the, it'll be around a time and. I think you're saying like you said, April, 2024. Is that, I, I think so yeah. around that time. We, yeah. we won't hold you to that, but around so that. So yeah, time. that's the reason. So yeah. So what happens is because like right now we're about to go into a period of, we were mining, um, hash. The difficulty is going up because blocks are being solved faster. So I'm, I'm just going to use rough numbers, but blocks are being solved hash power has gone up meaning more miners are coming online so there's more hashing power in the world more miners running in the world which you know you could take that maybe as a bullish sign um but so the so then what happens is now the math uh there's more computational power to attack the math so the math gets solved in nine minutes and so the code self-adjusts so now the code is going to say well i need to get more difficult so now I'm going to be more difficult so that it takes, so get, gets us back to that 10 minute block time is what the goal is. Mm -hmm. So that's, what's going on in the immediate is that we're about to hit a huge difficulty increase, or we did just hit a huge difficulty increase, I think. And mm -hmm. so, uh, but after so many of those 10 minute increments go on, eventually the happening happens at yeah. a certain And it's time. not exactly 10 minutes. It can be a little quicker, right. a little slower, kind of based on right. that. And so yes. I think you kind of calculate it out in time. Uh, John was asking in the chat room. So he says, uh, so what would your approach be to getting into crypto to the market now? Let me, let me respond to that question with this question. You just mentioned a second ago, 
um, hey, it may be a good strategy. ASICs are cheap right now or cheaper than they've been. And yet, are we to, are we at a point with ASICs, right? ASICs is, is specialized hardware that's designed just to, just to mine Bitcoin. And it, sometimes with other coins, it can it can do a variety of coins. It's based on a, what do they call that? A, a, a the algo, the algorithm. Uh, yep. There's a word for that in there. In, I'm forgetting my Bitcoin terminology. Um, but but anyways, so would there be new ASIC equipment on the horizon that may be better and faster that would come out a year from now? That might, if you bought ASIC equipment cheap today that might make that equipment obsolete or not as good? Um, so it is pretty, uh, so we're currently in, in ASIC world. Bitmain is the, you know, the big dog. There's, there's two other major competitors, what's minor and Canaan, um, arguably, but what's minor and Bitmain are the big ones. So obviously they, you know, the, we had the S nine, that was a, that was one of their main models that was out for years and years. We went to the S 15 was kind of the next big one, but it didn't last very long. It wasn't a great performer. Uh, S 17 was again, kind of dud. And now we're at S 19s. So S 19s have been strong and steady and stable. Uh, they will, what has been happening recently has been iterating within the um, within the S19. So they've got like the S19 XP, they've got the S19 Pro, S19 Hydro. Uh, so I would equate it to like in the, if you're in graphics card world, right? Of like, whatever, GT4000, then you have GT4070 and stuff like that. So like, that's kind of where we're at as far as incrementally. Yeah. So nothing major, uh, you know, the other part of that though is Intel just broke ground on their fabrication facility in uh, uh, Ohio. Ohio. And so, you know, something like, it, you know, somebody, something like them getting in, they might have some tricks up their sleeve and that could be some game changing technology, but they, uh, um, but right now we're kind of in that S19 phase and just kind of sitting there until somebody comes out with something really monumental. So, yeah. so w- one strategy could be right now, ASIC miners, the hardware might be at a value, be able to pick up that. And if you can find cheap power, maybe do some mining with it on your own. Even if you're breaking even with the idea of reselling that in a, in a future time when ASICs may be in more demand, is that, is it as simple as buy low, sell high on equipment? So I'll give you, uh, so you're, you're, you're likely, you're, <coughs> My opinion is you're more likely to appreciate on hardware than you are to depreciate. That being said, you have the risk or the downside of, you know, equipment breaking and stuff like that. So you you have a little bit of a a risk of loss on that side of things. Um, Now is probably so I would you. Yeah. So if you bought now, say you bought equipment now to mine Bitcoin at 11 cents at your house and um I'm not logged into the chat, so I sent you a link here you can look at. Um, but uh, so say uh, s- you're bought at 11 cents. Say Bitcoin goes back up to 60 or goes to 80 or something like that. Um, you're you're mining profitably there now. So if you're going to dollar cost average, wanted to do it privately, um, you could you could buy mining equipment now sit on it or mine at a loss and just sit it, put it in your garage for a little while. And then you wind up with, uh, then you can start mining 
uh, profitably on your 11 cents electricity potentially in whenever you decide to, you know, whenever the Bitcoin price goes up. So, and this is, uh, I'm looking at a ASIC miner right now on screen. No, this is so inside of that box is an ASIC miner. Okay. So, this is, uh, you know, a cool gadget, you know, whatever, the cool little product that you can mine at home. The ability here is that because of the noise and the heat that runs, you know, runs hot and runs loud, um, you, you know, you put this basically, it's w w weatherproof. So you hmm. can put this outside and all you've got to do is run a power cord and put some Wi-Fi in there and you <laughs> could, uh, you could run <laughs> some miners in your backyard without doing a whole lot of construction or anything like that. And, and both you could do that in a Nebraska summer and a winter, or just would you only do it in the winter? I would, I would put it in the shade in the summer. I mean, you could <laughs> hypothetically, but, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, a hundred degrees, to be honest with you, that is a good question. And I don't know what happens in a hundred degrees in one of those boxes. That is, that is true. Maybe just, just go down about six feet and put it in a <laughs> hole, right? It stays, it stays relatively the same temperature of not too far down. Um, from a, okay. So when we had you on a long time ago, like seven years ago now, you encouraged me to do dollar cost average into yes. Bitcoin at the time. That would have been, if I just would have put 25 or 50 bucks a month in for a year, today because i think bitcoin was at 264 dollars. not that i remember that exactly because i went back and looked and listened to that episode <laughs> several times and cried at the end um uh, you encouraged me to dollar cost average in would you give similar advice today i you know especially we're hovering around nineteen thousand for it it's definitely down from where it's been is dollar cost averaging in another still a pretty safe play if folks wanted to get into this still yeah i would i mean you could so, well, there's two parts to this question, though, is one dollar cost averaging and then what to buy. And uh, yeah, um, yeah, that's so that's the finished. That's John's question. But I yeah, yeah. So I, the so the dollar cost averaging piece, I I think we could still see like we just talked about where it's kind of because we're in between happenings. It's that's just my thesis that that is this kind of really tied tethered, tied to the tied to the the markets and the news that you're hearing. Um, I think we could go lower, follow, you know, follow the recession down. Um, so, you know, buy 19, knowing that, you know, if you're ever going to sell, um, that you're going to be a ways out potentially from selling. If you really want to time another dip, you could, you know, set your sights on like $12,000 and, buy at 12 and sell next time it hits 19, you know, that would be, but you might not ever hit, get your fill, your orders filled at $12,000. Who knows? Yeah. So yeah, you got, so then you wind up with a dollar cost average where you're at like 19, 15, 12, something like that. Uh, Swan. So there's an app called Swan Bitcoin um, is a really simple uh, uh, app to do what I just said. Um, I would not recommend you know, Coinbase and those guys, uh, if you're going to do things manually, you could use, um, any exchange, really, you could use Kraken, Binance, all those, but you know, then you just have to set your orders manually. If you want to do it automatically, then use something like Swan. Um, but those are not, you know, there's going back to this again, I, my perspective and the Mad Max, like SHTF, like is different than other people's. I get that. So, uh, if you're okay with, you know, some of the 
AML KYC and custodial pieces of what I'm proposing, then that's the easiest way to do it is use something like that. Uh, if you, if you are, if you are, uh, if you do, if you are concerned about the privacy side, then yeah, something like mining, um, is the way to do it. And that's, I mean, essentially with mining, you are DCA, right? Like you're, you're every day you're generating a little Bitcoin, whatever the price is. Um, and you put it into a hardware wallet and you know, it's, it's yours for sure. Um, versus some of these other options that are somewhat custodial or very custodial. And you, the very custodial would be like a Coinbase right now yeah, that has right. kind of moved to, a, I've, I've, I've had some folks, I'm still on Coinbase. Um, I haven't, I haven't moved yet. Not for any particular reason, just I haven't done it. I haven't done anything different, but I've had some folks kind of say, mm, I'd kind of move away from that yeah. <laughs> at this point. As you look at some of, and they're probably one of the larger players here in the U.S., right, as far as being a provider for that. Is the concern on Coinbase primarily custodial, or is it stability and and longevity uh, in, in the space? You know, being being around for a while, so to speak. I think you're. I think you're doubly putting yourself at risk if you're doing custodial with a public company because you're you know subject to market forces that are. You know, if it's a private company, that would make me feel a little better. But now you have all sorts of uh, the stockholder concerns and the board making decisions and stuff like that. I mean, so I think that's, yeah, I think there's this like size, just Coinbase is too big. There's the public side of it. They're a public company. So they have other concerns of demands on them. And then it's just the fact that they're holding your coins and, Mm -hmm. you know, there's who knows what sort of leverage or i mean they go through audits and all that but still i yeah the whole concept in in the united states uh taxes have become a real thing on yes on from when we talked about it in in 2015 starting 2015 2016 it was still a little yeah the the u.s federal government didn't really know what to do they kind of said like we say in the state of nebraska you know we're supposed to we're supposed to pay sales tax on things we've bought online and report that. And I can't imagine there's a single person mm-hmm. in the state of Nebraska that actually fills that part in, right? And yeah. the returns. But um uh in the last two years at least it's gotten it's gotten to be a real thing. In fact, you know, I made enough that I ended up paying a good chunk of it back uh in, in taxes. And I, uh, part of the process, I can I kind of know that's coming. Where where do you think the the future of that is uh, is that is and what do you know from a from a you know, from a what the federal government is thinking about, what are you seeing in the future? Because it's a pretty high tax rate here in the U.S., right? I think the well, yes, to answer your question, it is. Um, I <laughs> I think that the uh, I I don't think it's too. Of course, I don't do my taxes; my accountant does. But like, I don't think it's too burdensome to. I mean, I, I, I take it back. If you're buying. A candy bar with your Bitcoin, right? Like, like that, you know, is that a s- sale, right? Like, so you still have that whole, yeah, yeah. They haven't necessarily addressed that, which would be nice. Um, it would, but if you're, if you're, uh, you know, selling your Bitcoin capital gains, you know, that's pretty cut and dry. Um, it's, there's a form, there's a spot in the form to fill out when it comes tax season. So I don't think that's a huge deal. I think, um, I think the the problem is just where those those 
that is a if you're doing anything besides keeping your coins on exchange where you're getting a report at the end of the year that is a challenge and so um i think there's probably a lot of and they realize it they're that's why they just hired eighty-seven thousand irs agents um there's a lot of taxes that don't get reported from that regard because they're used differently than just a regular buying and selling on a market so it it uh, certainly um, I think I used TurboTax or one of those, and they connected to Coinbase and mm-hmm. downloaded it and figured it out for me. And mm-hmm. I, I said, "Ouch!" But then I did look at how much I made. I was like, <laughs> "Okay, sometimes you got to pay money to make money." I'm okay with mm-hmm. that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. this was this was you know this was a little bit that turned into a lot. So you know, mm-hmm. you kind of go, "Okay, that kind of makes sense." I don't have a problem doing it. And I paid it. Um, it was a little painful, but mm-hmm. but I think. Um, it's, it's, it's like you said, it's still a little obscure and I don't think the average person in, especially for the person who's just dabbling a little bit. I think we had a lot of doubt. You you inspired on this show, a lot of my listeners to dabble some in it, including myself. And that's where it gets a little weird just because you don't have enough to really have it make a difference, but you got enough that you think you should probably report this right. A type deal, especially now. So I think there's some. I, I guess it's it's uh, I, I don't know how much of it is just flack that it gets because of what it is. Like I almost think like there's this undertone of like criminal criminality around it because of you know whatever the media and uh, and so I'm sure there are other things that we do Venmo right PayPal whatever and again Nancy Pelosi wants you're more than six hundred dollars uh to be taxed obviously and so but i think that it, um there's plenty of other stuff we do already that is not in that same arena or is that in that is there's parallels that that yeah i think that people focus on this a little bit one because it is easier to do it you know to make money it's easier to make money in it um and so then it's easier to not report but then when you get down to the small amounts there's lots of other things we do on a day-to-day basis probably that are on par with that. So. Yeah. Well, the whole gig economy has created yeah. a whole nightmare in reporting. Yeah. It used to be pretty cut and dry for the most yeah. part. I mean, I remember 25 years ago doing taxes and it was pretty easy. I thought I used to do it on paper. I did it with like uh, pencil and paper, right? Fold that thing up and mail it in. Remember those days? Well, you don't, but <laughs> those, those are the days, you know, that I was uh, in my military days, maybe just after, um, uh, it's gotten a lot more complex and a lot more complicated. And I think another thing we think both the gig economy and uh, crypto has brought is such speed to change. Like, you know, things are changing. I, you know, you just think about some of the the litigation, the changes, and what's happening with both Uber and Amazon and their employment mm-hmm. practices and the thing. And that stuff is changing so fast. Where employment law used to take years or a decade in a lot of cases for a lot of things to change. So just the speed at which things are changing. I do feel like Bitcoin's settled down to a routine though. Would you say at this point in time that it's, it's, it's fairly stable from a, from a uh, economics? I don't know what the right word to use as perspective, but it feels pretty stable to me. Um, I think it's uh, yeah. Yeah. I think Bitcoin is. Um, I think that he, the going to the question earlier about what to buy, I think there's a lot of drama that, uh, you know, I, there, a few years back, there was the whole uh, 
you know, the big blocks and like a lot of, there was a quite a bit of a debate on mainly online in the community and Twitter where about, you know, how to, uh, should be, you know, out of that came like, uh, Bitcoin SV and Bitcoin cash. There were a few forks. And I remember you and I talking about that a little bit back then. Um, but since then, since, you know, there hasn't really been too much, uh, argument in the community and then so bitcoin itself i would agree with you is quite boring um right now i think any you know the quote-unquote drama or whatever people wanting to uh i I think has been in the world of like you know the board apes like like nft type stuff where it's you know there's a lot of a lot more hype there and you get kind of some celebrities and some personalities involved logan paul or whoever buying you know, NFTs and then getting wrecked or whatever the thing is, right? Like that's where all the, the media needs something and Bitcoin is boring. That's where all the, the media coverage has been with um, Web3 and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Do you think, and you t- you warned me in an email not to talk, not to ask you about NFTs, which means I need, I need to bring it up. But do you, <laughs> what's the difference in your opinion between NFTs, which are, it's a, it's a wild, wild west, crazy weird pricing nobody really knows i mean it's the this this like people know it's out there but they don't really even know why they're doing what they're doing and the way people felt about bitcoin and maybe like um 2012 2013 where they were saying some of the same things then that i'm hearing some of the people say about nfts now what makes nft different maybe than 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 bitcoin no, I was being literal. I, I wanna yeah. I wanna talk about this. Yeah. Um I think it's a I think it's a good question because I think a lot of people go, what the, what are NFT? Like yeah. what the, what's going on with this thing? So um you'll hear the term uh, I mean because it does require it does you know there are some fundamental concepts that are associated with that. And so you hear the term like decentralized, right? That was what that was the appeal of Bitcoin. Bitcoin came about to fight against the banks and the bailouts. And so it was a decentralized bank where you could know that you own and control your own money. But people copied it, made their own versions of it um, and made it different, did, did, did things different with it technologically to make it their own thing. And, but they kept the terminology, right? So they kept this concept of like decentralized and, and, uh, um, encryption or whatever the things are, right? Where, so what, uh, so the problem with an NFT is that if the foundation that it sits on is faulty or susceptible to bad actors, um, your NFT is essentially worth nothing. So an NFT is essentially an, an asset of some sort, typically for now a JPEG, but it could be other things. People are building some crazy stuff uh, in that world. Um, but for now, it's a picture that only you own. You own it and nobody else owns it. And it's basically, uh, you have, we'll say you have the version, you have it, You ha- it's in your, I can go, I don't know how simple we want to get here, but you have a wallet and your wallet has a private key in it. That private key is related to like on Solana, right? That private key uh, is related to a certain transaction. So that transaction is related to a certain JPEG, a picture. And so now because you have that private key and you're the only one that has a private key, 
you now own that picture. Um, it gets into some other things about where you store that image or how that image is served up and there's different ways to do that. But at the end of the day, you're owning a private key and that private key is tied to a picture. That's an NFT. So you can't, nobody else can replicate your picture of a monkey or whatever it is because uh, because you have, that's your wallet and that's your private key. That's what an NFT is a, in a very simplistic uh, way. And it's the same as saying I own, you know, one Solana or a hundred Solana, Sol, S-O-L, whatever. I own that because I have the private key. And But at the end of the day, when Solana's blockchain is breaking down on a semi-regular basis and you start to question, well, do they really know what they're doing? Like, who's making these decisions? Like, why is that breaking? But Bitcoin doesn't, um, you know, ultimately part of the problem with like, so what if hypothetically all the Solana developers or the people that were running that community and running the um, and responsible for Solana, if they all just disappeared someday, what happens to all your SOL? You literally could be. I just, that's not what I. That was a good choice. <laughs> so. That worked out really well. That was good. That was almost so, like you muted that way. Have you, have you, have not, you no, used I that did, in a keynote? I, I, did, I, I did not <laughs> remember it. We, we won't tell anybody the next time you <laughs> keynote and use that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's the, that's the concern or that's the problem is that people are using Bitcoin terminology, Bitcoin concepts but not, it doesn't have the same uh, gravitas as Bitcoin actually does because it's not truly decentralized and your monkey picture could be worth zero as has happened frequently over the past couple of years here. So, mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it could be worth zero because nobody will buy it. I mean, well, even though you, yeah. you were crazy enough to pay whatever you paid for it. Yes. And, and, I mean, that's those are market, those are actual market conditions. And then it yes. could be worth zero because blockchain doesn't work anymore. You know, which is a concern I was, you know, or in the early days as I was talking to others about this, uh, you know, folks that have been in the market maybe a little bit longer than me. The 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 concern was the both the the benefit of decentralization and the drawbacks to decentralization, because yeah. at the end of the day, it still depends on people. Right. I mean, this is a and it depends on people getting a getting along <laughs> and keeping things running. And right. I mean, there's still a element of trust bitcoin works because there's a lot of money involved in it and so because of that it, it, i think it holds people accountable i think we've seen in some of these altcoins that come out it's literally three guys or three people right. let's say let's put it that way three people who have decided they're going to do this they hype it up and then run i mean yeah. how many slash and grabs have we seen yeah. in this with these altcoins right yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, it's just like any other Ponzi or any other scheme. It's just uh, because the media has given it so much attention yeah. that it, yeah, yeah. Um, well, both sides, like the media gives it more attention because it's easy to pick on, but also because the media talks about it so much and says it's the next technology of the future type thing, then people are more willing to buy it because they kind of trust it because the media has kind of given it a little bit of a, a, a platform. So. The, the U.S. dollars propped up on a phrase, the full faith and credit of, of the United States government, faith and credit, right? Um, Bitcoin also is a faith in some regards because we're trusting a whole bunch of humans who we can't see, touch, influence, 
talked to in some cases, and we're trusting that they'll keep this thing running, right? I mean, it, at some point, like you said, Bitcoin, if, if a whole bunch of people said, eh, I'm out, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that's still a little bit of faith, right? So I would, I, this is where you start, ha- I, I would start to distinguish between crypto and Bitcoin. So if you are literally meaning Bitcoin, um, that's where, because what would, you know, as far as like gaming out these scenarios, right? If everything, if the lights shut off and, you know, we have no power, whatever mm-hmm. other ramifications are of that, um, these Solana developers are, you know, they're going to be more concerned with everything else they've got going on, taking care of their family, like robbing the guy next door to get his you know, food, that kind of thing. Like they're going to be busy doing <laughs> that kind of stuff. And they're not going to be developing on Solana anymore. Right. right. Versus. Um, and, and so then you have a lot of uh, infrastructure required to get back up and running to get your Solana blockchain to be at a point where you're uh, profitable again, or you, you get the price back up. The difference I would say is that Bitcoin require, <laughs> you say requires faith in people. I, I'll, I would say that it, as much as on this side of heaven, as much as we have trust in something, right? You're trusting that the algorithm will continue to be the algorithm it is in perpetuity. And so when the lights go off and you have your Bitcoin, yes, you won't have. So you you get in Now you get into like just logistical things of like, how do you do a transaction without power, without Internet? Right. But at the end of the day, when the lights come back on, eventually there's going to be a lot of uh, you, you getting the Solana network and world back up and running. I think it's going to be a lot harder um, to convince people to refocus their efforts on that. Because now you don't have all the apps that were built on it, right? Nobody cares about all that Silicon Valley type stuff. And I'm, I know I'm describing an extreme example. Bitcoin, yeah. because it has been focused on just being a sound money, will be just that sound money when that time comes. Mm-hmm. And we, we didn't touch on uh, Lightning Network yet, but I'm not I'm not comparing that to... I'm switching topics if we go to that. But, um, but I, that's where I would distinguish between Bitcoin and crypto. Is I think when the lights go off, eventually when they come back on, Bitcoin will just be back there, back up and running. Maybe even worth more because the because of the market dynamics associated with you know the world falling apart um, versus the crypto stuff, which I think yeah. will have a lot more trouble coming back online. I think it makes I, that that scenario, by the way, makes total sense to me because there's people have more invested in it, so there's more likelihood they're going to bring these things back online because from a dollars and cents perspective, they're incented to do it that way, right? I guess I'm thinking more along the lines of, and this probably would never happen, but folks just lose interest in it. You know, we get down the road and price drops. Let's just say we're at 19 and the thing bottoms out at a hundred bucks, right? Or whatever. Probably wouldn't, but let's just say it does. And everybody kind of goes, eh, well, that was a nice run. Like, and, and people begin to shut things physically. We don't lose power. People just begin to shut things down and stop, you know, the, the blockchain only exists because people are doing things on it. Right. Because, because there's enough nodes for it to actually work. Right. So that's, that's more of the scenario. You know, a lot of these, I've watched a lot of these altcoins die 
and they just yeah. stop. You know, yeah. they're just like, well, we're done. We're shutting it off because there's there's not enough resources. And if you remember, we you know the going back to like what you know the Genesis blocks that Toshi Nakamoto wrote, you know, was was talking about the bailouts. So I think that yeah, I think there is a in to your point a minute ago about the full faith and credit. There is a there has been a a diff a segmentation and you could say it happened in 1971 or whatever right because you know you you lost the you lost the full faith and credit of the gold bugs right. so gold so that was probably the last time we had like a principled money right so there is this money and there's some principles behind it after that it was all about bankers and who you know subprime mortgages and fractional lending stuff like that and so everything kind of all the morality behind money fell apart or left it after that, after 1971. And so, so Bitcoin is a chance. So, so I think that's why it's hard for us to go back and think about principled money again. And the fact that people are not doing this, big banks will still exist, even in the scenario you just talked about. So losing interest. Yeah. that I definitely think that the community could shrink for sure, but that you're not going to lose the interest of the people that hate the banks and hate the system yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah, has come yeah. since 1971. Well, I'm, I'm putting my faith in those people <laughs> in the banks, not losing. No, no, no. Oh, in okay. the people who yes. have the interest in Bitcoin. Right? right. I mean, there is, I am kind of saying I am, I'm believing I'm using air quotes. I believe in the people who are, who believe in Bitcoin enough to be able to support it from a, from a, you know, both the hardware and a usage standpoint, right? I mean, if uh, eventually, if everybody just wrote it off, it'd go away, right? I think, I think this is very important. I, I think it's, you aren't putting faith in people. You're not putting faith in um, anything other than what was put in place, what the code, tr you know, truth oh, in numbers, sure. like you're, you're trusting the algorithm. Everybody else could stop using it. I'm not saying your Bitcoin would be worth as much anymore. Yeah, but I'm right. saying everybody, right. you, you can participate in the system Meaning you aren't, you don't have to put your faith in all these, because it, that is the differentiator between the banks. You don't have to put your faith in all these other people being involved or mining, right? You can mine, you can look at the source code, you can make commits or make, sorry, not make, commit, make pull requests, stuff like that, right? You could get involved from that perspective. And at the end of the day, you can mine and you can hold your own Bitcoin and you don't have to, you don't have to put yeah. faith in anybody yeah. else. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. A couple questions. Uh, John yeah. uh, was asking, curious about your thoughts on El Salvador's move to Bitcoin. And we've, we've had some, uh, there's been, uh, there was another, there was another company, right? That Venezuela did this as well, or just no, not maybe Bitcoin, other, but. Um, so there's been the one that the, the only other one that comes to mind right now that declared it a, uh, uh, a currency was the uh, CAR Central African Republic, I believe. Um, in there have been some other movements in South America, but I think El Salvador and the Central African Republic are the only two that have actually declared it uh, a currency. Um, so there, uh, I believe there was another South American country that passed a bill talking about Bitcoin as an asset or something like that, but it was more along the lines of like, cause they wanted to tax it. It wasn't like a positive, like let's do this type thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, El Salvador. Um, I am 
I, you know, I mean, it stinks that they kind of did that stuff in into a bear market, and so they're uh, the you know they're reaping the rewards and consequences of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if if things were obviously on the up side, upswing, um, that that people would probably have a lot different perspective, and they'd probably you know they'd be sitting there chuckling rather than you know wincing. Um, and so I think that, uh, I think that it, in the long run, it will pay off for them. I mean, there's a risk that the, the, the part of the problem is that the perception is based on what they do versus what Bitcoin is. Right. And so if they get cold feet and start selling Bitcoin, then everybody's, you know, oh, it didn't work. It was failed. Right. Like, so I hope that they have enough resources to make it through and that they can um, keep the Bitcoin and they watch the price go up in a couple of years. And then, you know, they can chuckle at, you know, every, all the other countries that didn't do it. But I think it'll also be a good example for other countries of what they should do. Um, but then what will happen is people will see the price go up. Governments will decide, hey, this is a good idea they'll buy in and then it'll be another bear market by that point. Right. Cause the government just moves slowly. And right. so they're going to be in the same predicament. So, yeah. I mean, if they, if people, if people understood and I don't even, I'm, I'm bad at this myself, right? Like don't, you know, buy right now when it's $19,000 and ASICs are $3,000. Like now is the time to buy. And then you get the upside later. And so that's, that's our concept just for human nature. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it it is hard. I I I've gotten lucky a couple times with that where I've sold at a peak and I bought back in on the way down. Yeah. And I try to use some discipline techniques to make sure I don't miss that. You know, I don't I don't try and peg a bottom. I buy into the bottom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it right, you buy you you just kind of buy until it's it's rebounding again and then maybe you stop at that point and and or you just keep buying all the time, right? I mean, if you got a <laughs> disciplined approach to that and uh, you're doing some true dollar cost averaging you just buy in both ways that way you you, you uh you, you're not you know you're not um you're trying to not trying to time the market just had this idea in the final couple minutes we got left with you edward i got yeah, this okay. idea bitcoin day in omaha uh bitcoin day meaning you're gonna you're putting together an event here in omaha talk about bitcoin it's gonna focus or be around the same time as brookshire hathaway um, yep. shareholder day. And there's yep. a reason for that. And if you don't know what that is, look it up. It's, I think it's actually pretty hilarious. Um, I mean, we should do, I, the, the, listen, the, the listeners have been asking me to do a home gadget geeks meetup in Omaha for a long time. Maybe we just plan it at the same time. So folks can come out, be a part of Bitcoin day. They can go to Brookshire Hathaway. If they want, they could do a home gadget geeks meetup. We could, uh, you know, descend on the safari bar, uh, you know, cigar bar or, yeah. Hang out down at Havana and do a little meetup as well. Oh, sounds like a, a weekend for me. What are you hoping for? If I were thinking about going to Bitcoin Day Omaha in April, April twenty third, is that the day? Did no, I get that right? So there was a uh, the prop there. Oh, twenty. We, we yeah we no 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 we didn't announce oh, until okay. Berkshire. We had to wait till Berkshire announced. So oh, okay. I believe it's May sixth now because okay. they announced that they were May sixth this year. Okay. So. Um, so yeah, you're uh, so what we we get people from about six hours away, but you'll get people from farther than that coming to your thing probably. Um, Berkshire, obviously, people come in from all over the world. Um, 
you know, I, the goal of having it in Omaha is to, you know, and even the name of it, obviously Bitcoin day was a play on Berkshire Hathaway weekend um, that, you know, we've got people who uh, are interested, you know, they're following the Oracle of Omaha for a certain reason, right? Like they, they trust and believe that he's going to make them money. He's going to make good decisions. Um, our, our idea would be that, you know, the concept would be like we talked about DCAing in or whatever the thing is, right? Like we think that after the Oracle's gone, um, that, uh, that there's still ways to, um, ways to make money that are, you know, people perceive him, I think, as a safe investment, uh, safe, steady, long-term. These are all things that are associated with Warren Buffett and, uh, uh, no frills, (laughs) pretty, pretty cut and dry. He, He shoots straight. And so, I think those are all things that kind of also relate to Bitcoin of, you know, just invest your money now, give it 10, 20, 30 years or leave, leave the stocks to your kids. And, uh, and it's a, it's a good safe bet. And I, and I think that describes Bitcoin. So hopefully we'll draw some people who are in town who, you know, obviously we have to get the marketing and the targeted ads, right. But like, hopefully we'll draw some people that are in town for Bitcoin to, uh, for Berkshire to come and learn about, uh, the future of sound money in, in Bitcoin. What would, what would, what does Bitcoin day typically look like if someone came out and was going to participate in that? Give me a general idea. Just kind of, what does the day look like? Yeah. So we start, you can show up whenever you want. We start at eight o'clock and then, cause it's just one day. So we're trying to pack in as much activity as possible, as much learning as possible, but basically just have one hour, every one hour, we've got uh, speakers on a variety of subjects. So people will be talking about dollar cost averaging, uh, people will be talking about security and privacy. People will be talking about Lightning Network, uh, building and developing uh, systems on on Bitcoin. Uh, so we try to cover, we try to talk about the community, like the local community, kind of what's going on in the West. We try to talk about um, uh, the legal and regulatory space that's going on now, it's going on at a federal level and state level from a legal and compliance um, and legislation. And I tried to talk about building on Bitcoin, like I just mentioned. Um, then we talk about mining. If we wanted to go more in depth on mining, you know, get some uh, talk to some folks that are doing it really big that could offer you some advice to get started. Uh, we talk about mining, and then um, the last one is the privacy and security, like I mentioned, uh, to make sure that you're taking the proper precautions with your your Bitcoin. So, okay, no, it sounds interesting. Uh, what? Like generally morning until the afternoon. What do you? What do you? Yeah. So we go to we have an we have a open bar. We got a happy hour at four thirty. So basically, go from eight to four thirty of speakers um, back to back. Okay. Well, something to think about. It'd be fun, fun to uh, invite folks out to Omaha, be a part of Bitcoin Day, do a do a mini meetup uh, of of Home Gadget Geek listeners. You guys have many many have been on this ride with us since (laughs) since twenty fifteen. Uh, when we first ta- uh, talked about it, when I told folks you were coming, I've been, you know, um, um, telling folks you'd be coming for the last couple of weeks. They're like, yes. So <laughs> we should probably, not, we should probably have you back sooner than okay. two years. Cause I think it took me two years <laughs> to get you back on this time. We should probably think about let's, um, let's stay in touch on this, on this, you know, Bitcoin right. day. I like and, it. And there could be some, some things we could do there. Listen, I just want to tell the listeners. It's really hard to get a hotel room in Omaha that weekend yeah. because Berkshire Hathaway. So it's it's a double edged sword. Yeah, there's some great stuff going on, but you're gonna have to move fast and act and 
act early and book some things in. It's going to be, it's an expensive weekend to be in Omaha. So, you know, well, that's, that's pretty that's relative driving. though. Cause that's, if you go to some other places, yeah. like ridiculous, it's still yeah. cheap compared to where you could. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. What, yeah um, but I think, I think the, so they they had COVID restrictions last year. And so I don't know, I don't know what the recent attendance has been post COVID. I'm sure it'll probably pick back up as time goes on. So, yeah. Um, yeah. This yeah. might be the year though, where it's kind of the first year fully back yep. where everybody's feeling comfortable. And that could be go one of two ways. Everybody on the planet could try to be in Omaha this, this, this may, you know, when they do that, or it could still be kind of sketchy, you know, and, and there would be availability in rooms and hotels maybe doing some discounting to make sure they're full during those, during that time. That's certainly, they're not going to want to miss out on some of the, you know, some of the tourism that comes in, um, you know, over that weekend, our Gallup event isn't until early June. I think we're like June 6th, 7th and 8th or something like that this year. And, uh, a downtown and so far so good. We're seeing some good response to it. We're seeing some early response of folks coming to Omaha. So we'll have to think about it, John. Um, said i with you know it's in relation to tent or to uh hotels a tent and gym job uh no no tents in my yard uh we'll we'll we can find there's lots of if there's one thing omaha has done well lately is build a lot of hotels and yes. there are a ton of places to stay mm-hmm. in omaha right so and even even exarban is not you know I, I they probably book up for the weekend too but i mean that's not too far if you can yeah. get a spot so yeah. yeah and joseph said uh I'm writing my crypto into the ground. So that's, that's what I would say too, is like not with not Bitcoin, but you know, the other cryptos, like you're, you know, it, take a flyer and gamble and you know, the, there's a chance that goes to zero, but it's still fun, fun to do. I, I'm, I'm basically down to Ethereum and Bitcoin. I just was yeah. like, uh, I'm good. I mean, I hold a few in some of the altcoins and some of the, we didn't even talk about the hard drive mining stuff that I've been doing. Mm-hmm. And we hold a little bit in that. Um, uh, you know, um, some of them have done better than others, but, um, yeah, no, it's, it's great. Edward, thanks for coming on. I'm going to let you go and go be a dad and, yeah. uh, and put your, put your kids to bed. I'll wrap things up here, but We'll get you back on as we think about first of the year and, and maybe shoot for this uh, this May date for a uh, for a potential meetup. That'd be great. All right. Thanks for having me. All right, Edward. Thanks a ton. We'll see you. A couple reminders on the way out. One ton of, ton of fun. Thanks, Edward, for, for coming out and, and being a part of that. Um, you know, I, I was just talking about what I have left. John's got some Bitcoin, Ethereum, and, and ADA. And, and I bet there is a variety of coins out there. Um, Joe says he's still got a ton of sheep. And uh, I, I did too, Joe. I had like, I think I had like 40 million of those things or because so, they were worth almost nothing, right? And uh, and the kids, we bought those with the kids. I did one buy and it doubled. And then I sold them. And then I did another buy and it went to zero. So I think I lost everything I made. So you never know. I got to learn to not second buy, right? That's the thing that I always think I get lucky on that first buy and I'm like, Oh, I'm a genius. And then I, that second buy always gets me. It's always the worst on that. So, um, anyways, well, you've, you've heard maybe, maybe the birth of the meetup that's I've been promising forever. Uh, just haven't been able to pull it together. I'm going to tell you if we do it that weekend, it's well, there's no better time to be in Omaha. Let me just say it that way. 
maybe do something on Friday night. Berkshire Hathaway takes up a lot of space here in town when they do this. When they come, it's like coming for the College World Series, which will have uh, kicks off the next weekend, actually. So lots of things going on in Omaha that time. There's no better time to be in Omaha than May. Uh, so maybe we'll do that. You'll have to. I, I probably wouldn't get a block of room anywhere because it's it's hard to find those, but we'll give it a try. See how it goes. A couple of reminders on the way out. Uh, a big thanks to our Patreon subscribers. You guys do it each and every month. Thanks for adding value back into what we do. And if you want to provide value, if you feel like we, I provide value in what we do here, uh, you can join us for as little as five dollars a month out there on Patreon. The Average Guy TV slash uh, Patreon. John is saying we could do the meetup a day earlier. Yeah, we could start on that Friday. Do it that Friday and then leave Saturday open for, you know, Bitcoin Day. And uh, and Sunday would be do whatever you want. It's a very, very real possibility. Certainly, maybe maybe some ways to partner with what they're doing on Bitcoin Day to do some additional things. I guess it'd depend on how many would come. Uh, do some additional sessions that are more, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if, you know if you'd want to split the topics or some of those kinds of things. I guess it depends on how many would come. So you can join us in our Discord group. Um, I've been spending a lot of time uh, over the last, since we had Bob and Ryan on talking about this build, I did purchase an AMD 5600X processor. So that decision has been made. Uh, It's a Ryzen 5 5600X. That's what I'm going with. Right now I'm working on a board. Put a bunch of questions in the chat and um, Discord about it. And we're kind of talking about what's, so what do I put this thing on? Right. And we're doing that in Discord, the average guy.tv slash Discord. Go to the hardware section and we're chatting about it right now. And I'll pull the trigger on that. Been looking at video cards, GPUs. Gonna wait on the prices on those a little bit, but I think Bob and Ryan have me at a 3060, 3070, 3080 on the high end. I've been following the 4000 series, 40s. Uh, for what I do, I need a four, a minimum of a 40 or of a 3060 to do um, a VR. So, you know, do I buy minimum to get in? I can always swap the card out. I mean, card prices are dropping, not increasing like they were. So, uh, I've got some, some, um, you know, I got a little, some, I'm, I'm going to kind of wait and see where things go. I think I got a couple, three, four weeks. Um, we'll probably go with a fractal design case. Memory is going to be a pretty easy decision. I'll put 64 gig in there, two thirty gigs, 32 gig sticks. Uh, I got an M.2 to buy. That should be a fairly, those are pretty, pretty commodity um, at this point. And I'll probably just put a one terabyte in there. Probably not put a lot of storage with it. Um, it'll be primarily, although it might be nice to have, I don't know, maybe it'll be a two terabyte drive. So I've got some work to do there. I definitely, one of the things I'm going to do on the, with the new build is I'm, all the other computers are going to get shut down. And I'm really going to go to, well, I have two Windows boxes running instead of the five that I have running right now. So we'll get them all consolidated onto, onto one. And um, I should have enough horsepower to, to basically do what I do on one box. So since it won't be a production podcast box, I can kind of throw a lot of things at it and then we'll start retiring stuff. But uh, if you want to join us in Discord, theaverageguy.tv slash Discord, get that done. Lots of hardware conversation if you want to help me with this. I think the goal is to have this thing bought and put together here towards the end of the year. And uh, so I'll be, uh, the the uh, processor comes in this weekend. 
I think this weekend or next, one of those two, they're a little bit behind on that. Got a board and some, you know, we'll, we'll pick those things, but uh, we're doing it through the discord group. So if you want to jump in there in Christian was in there, John Christian was in there earlier, uh, giving me some advice. So by the way, I think Christian's next week. Let's look at that really quick. I think he is coming on. Uh, Edward wasn't tonight. Man, I've got years and years and years of records to scroll through here. You'd think I'd have this up a little bit faster than that. And that is true. Christian will be here for 550 and a halfway to 600. And so we'll be talking a lot of build stuff next week too. So come out and join us live if you want to talk about that build. And, uh, and John, I don't, uh, John's saying, what's the topic? Uh, you know, whatever Christian wants to talk about, but we'll definitely talk about some build stuff. He's got some opinions on that. So we'll, we'll dig into that. Um, we'll dig into that too. Don't forget the average guy.tv powered by Maple Grove partners. And you know, that's Christian gate get, um, what do you get with that secure, reliable, high speed hosting with people that, you know, and trust. And of course, you know, that's Christian plans still 10 bucks. So if you need some hosting, He'd be a great one. He'd be a great one to move stuff to if if inflation has gotten you down and uh, your hosting's gotten more expensive and you need something. He'll, I'm, I'm sure he can do anything. So check it out, maplegrovepartners.com, and uh, and he'd love to hear from you. Let him know that you uh, you listen to Home Gadget Geeks. If you've got a question, you want to leave a comment, go to homegadgetgeeks.com and uh, leave a voicemail. There's a little button bottom right-hand corner to do that. If you, I think, I haven't checked it in a while. If you do that, send me an email, jim at theaverageguy.tv, and let me know that uh, you've done that. So I go out and check it out. We'll play it right here on the show. You don't have to have great audio for that. You just have to have a question. Jump out there and, and get that done yet. Uncle Marv's asking, do we have a show a, a topic for our show yet? I'm hoping you've got a topic, Uncle Marv. <laughs> of course we have a topic. We'll figure one of those. We'll figure it out when we get there. So it's going to be pretty great. Um, Uncle Marv's coming on. Uh, two weeks, three weeks from now. So he'll be back. Dave from Mac Geek Gab is coming on and we got Thanksgiving. Jay and Fola are back. Jay from uh, Franzi and Friends. He was on last week and Fola is going to join us. We're just going to have a fun conversation uh, next week or two weeks with Jay and Fola. Be tons of fun. Great stuff. Great stuff coming up and, and appreciate you guys doing that. We are live. When I say doing that, I mean coming out and listening live or listening to the podcast. Hundreds of you still listen to the podcast, and I appreciate it. Thanks for doing that, especially if you've made it this far. If you made it this far in the podcast, you got to the end of the hour, and you're like, man, has he run out of things to say? And the answer is, yes, I have run out of things to say. We are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at theaverageguy.tv slash live. We have a, I got a tree service coming out tomorrow and they're cutting down a few trees in our backyard. I'm excited to do something different outside. Fall is in the air here in Nebraska and excited to get that done. So we'll be, uh, we'll get this thing wrapped up over the weekend and pushed out, but it'll be a good weekend. At least here in Omaha, Nebraska to be outside dry, not a lot of rain and uh, fall is in the air. And so uh, we'll just keep all fingers and toes intact as we're running chainsaws tomorrow. Thanks for coming out and listening tonight. We'll see you guys next week. And don't forget, Christian is here next week. So come out and join us live. With that, we'll say goodbye.